0: For thousands of years, women have been defined by, shamed because of, and oppressed for, their bodies and sexuality. Societies globally and historically have attempted to keep women's power at bay by controlling the narrative over our bodies and sexuality. If you're ready to reclaim your power, recharge your relationship with your own body, and reignite your sexuality, then you have come to the right place. I'm Tara, a body and sex positive advocate who aims to break stigmas and end shame when it comes to women's sexuality and their body confidence. You are now tuned in and turned on with Tara. Happy New Year, 2023. I am so excited to see what this year brings. I myself am starting on a challenge this month, 27 days of working out twice a day, drinking a half gallon of water, journaling daily, and reading at least 10 minutes of nonfiction, which is hard for me because I love murder mysteries, the fiction ones, (laughs) but um, of course, you know, also making healthier decisions with food and drink, no alcohol, no candy bars, no cookies or sweet tea from Chick-fil-A, etc., all very hard for me. I'm only doing 27 days because on January January 28th, my birthday celebrations officially start, and I'm not crazy enough to turn down a cake or shots on my birthday. At the beginning of each year, we all tend to start off with some sort of resolution or a way to challenge ourselves to be our best. I believe in each of us is this desire to reach this version of ourselves that is often called our highest self. To me, this self is the version of us that is taking the best care of the body or the vessel our spirit is in right now. It is the self that separates itself from the ego and the self that focuses on mental, emotional, and spiritual growth. Anyone who knows me knows that I am pretty into the woo woo. I love all things manifesting, crystals, being one with the universe, meditating, etc. I guess, in a way, this would make me a pretty spiritual person. Of course, the adjective spiritual doesn't just describe woo woo people like me, but no matter your religion, or your belief system, you could be considered a spiritual person. Spiritual is defined as relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul, as opposed to the material or physical things. Now, I feel like many of you would agree that sex is pretty much considered a physical act. At least that's how I've always seen it. Sex is something very much, in my former Christian life speak, something of the flesh. I have always felt like I couldn't be sexual and at the same time my most spiritual or highest self. There's a subconscious belief I have that sex is bad, dark, physical, completely of the ego. And my spiritual self is in direct opposition while being good and light. I often feel like those two versions of my spell self, the spiritually awakened me and the sexual me cannot coexist. So in my past, if I've been focusing on my inner or spiritual growth, I've really neglected my sex life and vice versa. I feel consciously or subconsciously a lot of other women could struggle with these feelings too. Perhaps this belief that sex is inherently bad keeps you from being sexual, especially in a time of personal growth. But what if I was to tell you that not only is sex not bad, it's also a spiritual act necessary to reach our highest self. But we'll get to that later. First, we need to explore some of the reasons behind this belief that sex is bad. And oh, guys, we are in for a trip on this one. Now, I'm talking especially to women that personal belief that sex is bad, something like that's subconscious deep inside us that sometimes we have trouble facing. I've always said, oh no, sex isn't bad, but I know subconsciously because of the way I was raised and my religion that I actually do think it's bad deep down inside. But there's actually like a whole history of women and sex being associated together in a very negative light. I've mentioned before that women have been shamed for their sexuality for centuries. So we'll just start in the Middle Ages, you know. 500 to 1500 A.D., just about a period of 1,000 years. Women's sexuality was viewed as something of the devil or evil. In one book I read, it said the aroused clitoris was evidence of contact with the devil. This is what drove witch hunts back in the Middle Ages. Let's speed it up to the Victorian era, 1837 to 1901. Our great-great-grandmothers were told they were asexual. Yeah, that's right. Like medical professionals said that women had absolutely no need to orgasm. In fact, if you did orgasm as a woman, it meant something was wrong with you and you were considered unhealthy. Here's the funny thing. Well, not so funny thing. Because Victorian women were viewed as just there to basically serve their husband's sexual desires with none of their own ever being met. I mean, women were simply not orgasming at all. They started to feel actually sick. They weren't sleeping. They had insomnia. They had anxiety. They were irritable. I mean, imagine how fucking irritable you'd be if you hadn't come your whole life. And then when they did have sexual feelings, they didn't understand what they were. So they would go to the doctor and seriously ask them, what is this feeling I'm having down there? And saying things like, I'm getting this weird wetness between my legs. So many women were coming in with the same issues that doctors actually labeled it as a medical condition, calling the syndrome hysteria. Now I know you're wondering, well, how was this treated? Here's the real kicker: Doctors would press against a woman's clitoris until she had an orgasm except they still refused to say that women were orgasmic. Their hands started cramping from treating so many women that they invented the vibrator. You guys might think I'm joking or like exaggerating, but no, this is actual history. Look it up. Dr. Granville and the invention of the vibrator. In the 1940s, during wartime, due to more casual sexual relationships with soldiers, nurses, women, people traveling, The spread of STDs was on the rise. And guess who they blamed? The U.S. government propaganda blamed women and framed women as the only carriers. There were actual posters of women that said, she may look clean, but. U.S. public health services, like government health services, forcibly hospitalized and treated what they considered to be loose women. Now, the 1950s were all about conformity in the nuclear family. So women were encouraged to always look sexual and beautiful, but also make sure they were not too sexual. They never had to have premarital sex or have any sexual desires outside of marriage. Then doctors by the name of Dr. William Kroger and Dr. Charles Freed actually published a paper in the 50s stating that it was a woman's own fault if she couldn't orgasm. That many women actually experience pain when orgasm, orgasming, that's a hard word to say, instead of pleasure though. And this is why so many women wanted to divorce or cheat on their wives. This is how women who did not enjoy sex with their husband, even if it was the husband's fault, which most likely it was, began to be labeled as frigid. And what were these women that were considered frigid recommended? Psychotherapy. You're getting the point, I hope. Women's sexuality has always been viewed as the problem. Women were evil witches or STD spreaders if they enjoyed sex. If they did not enjoy sex, they needed psychological help. Or worse, women were seen as complete robots without the ability to experience any type of sexual pleasure and were just around to service the men in their lives. Sure. There was the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 70s when birth control was made available and women finally began to feel sexually empowered. But what's scary is that wasn't even a hundred years ago. My parents were born in the 60s and 70s. As a product of teenage pregnancy and a daughter of a gay parent who wasn't out until my late teens, I can tell you right now that sexual wokeness wasn't quite passed down to every child of the 60s and 70s. What I'm saying, or really repeating, is that for thousands of years, women's sexuality was seen as the problem. So, our parents, great grandparents, great great grandparents, etc., were raised with these negative messages about women's sexuality that were subconsciously ingrained, whether through the actions or words of other family members, media messaging, government propaganda, church sermons, etc., etc. And you can guarantee this sexism caused some personal trauma for many of our relatives, leading to generational trauma, I'm sure. We haven't even began to touch on the epigenetic inheritance, meaning research is starting to prove that trauma can be inherited through DNA. After all those years of sexual oppression, is it really any surprise that either consciously or subconsciously we as women tend to view sex as bad? I don't have time to go through how religion has played such a huge part in this, and maybe I will on another podcast episode. But even today, beyond purity culture and modesty rules, priests, nuns, and even Buddhist monks are made to take vows of celibacy so that their sexuality doesn't get in the way of their spirituality. This sends a message that sex and spiritual growth cannot occur simultaneously. So here we are with these deep-seated beliefs that sex is bad, that sex makes us evil people, that sex keeps us from growth, all in turn making us subconsciously believe that we cannot be our best self while at the same time being sexual. Now that we are aware of these beliefs, my hope is that we can recognize the root of our issues surrounding sex. I want to offer some alternative messages around sex and growth as a person that hopefully we can replace the assumptions we have all made in the past. The first alternative idea is that we are spiritual beings having experiences in a physical world. This means that our spirit is derived from God or the universe or whatever you want to believe in. Through intimate physical connections, we are also connecting with another person's soul. I'm not just talking about deep, loving sexual encounters either. I mean, every time you physically connect with another person, you are in fact interacting with their spiritual being as well. Sex, no matter whether a casual one night stand or the 80th time with your partner, is one of the most intimate physical interactions between two bodies. And I would dare say is most likely an even deeper spiritual connection between two souls. Any physical experience our spiritual beings have contributes to our growth. How can such a profound consensual meeting between two spiritual beings be anything but light and good? Now, I know that was a little woo-woo, but we're going to go on to the rest of the reasons which maybe aren't so spiritually based. Number two, orgasming creates the same state in our brain as meditation. Meditation is a practice of mindfulness, where a person clears their mind of all the thoughts they have normally and remain instead in the present moment. Meditation has been proven to assist those with anxiety, stress, insomnia, high blood pressure, depression, and even cancer patients with their pain. The same thing happens to our brains when we orgasm as it does when we meditate. An article from Scientific American stated that orgasm and meditation dissolve the sense of physical boundary. This means we become less self-aware. Our inner monologue shuts off and we disconnect from our ego. Sounds like growth to me. And also just a quick little note for all you kinky people out there. It is said that spanking and sex or physical pain, if like, consensual of course, can also bring about a certain state of meditation because people can remove themselves in and out of their body in order to handle the pain. Just something to think about. And last and not least, sex is an act between two sources of energy. That's just on a physics level. We are all energy and energy is exchanged through sex. And hopefully, most of the time, that energy is a loving energy. Whether or not you are in love with the person you're having sex with, you're most likely wanting to bring them pleasure. Now, while only focusing on your own pleasure can keep you in your ego, if you're wanting to give pleasure to another person, you are actually focusing more on your spiritual self, your authentic self, the you that is separated from your ego. Your authentic self thrives on the ideas of love and giving. When you focus on bringing your partner pleasure and transferring them positive energy, you are more connected with the highest version of you. I think even if you do not agree with all the woo-woo information shared here today, it's important to note that there are some simple facts of the matter. And that's that men have tried and succeeded for decades. Centuries. Okay, honestly, fucking millennia. To control women by controlling the narrative around our sexuality. They branded us as the bad guys, whether we were too sexual or not sexual enough. And there's no really other way to say this. It's extremely fucked up. It's time we take our power back and rebrand our sexuality to ourselves. Being a sexual being is not bad or evil. Having sexual desires is normal. Orgasming is good for you. And oftentimes, sex is actually bringing you closer to your highest self. This new year, when you're promising yourself to be the best version of you, make sure that version of you is having lots of sex and not feeling guilty about it. Thank you for tuning in and hopefully now more easily getting turned on. Until next week, babes, I'm signing off.